The Department of Transport is not living up to the promise of the National Road Safety Strategy 2016 to 2030, and uh, the abbreviation for that is the NRSS. This promise is aimed at reducing road-related fatalities by 50% by 2030. Considering that road safety is an imperative, it's important to acknowledge that at the center of it all are people and that the carnage on our roads is caused by human, vehicle and road factors. And of course, it's also heavily impacting on human lives and on our country's economy. I'm Ilse Salzfero and my guest today is Andrea van Jeden, Senior Legal Counsel at Alta and the spokesperson for Transport Matters. Uh, Andrea, good morning. Thanks for joining me today. Hi, good morning, Ilse. Thank you so much for having me chat to you today. Earlier this week, Alta released an advocacy brief on road safety. Exactly what is that? What have you done? And what was the motivation behind this? Thank you, Ilza. I think, um, especially for the listeners, it's very important to understand that this topic is of national importance. And as such, um, South Africa is a signatory to the United Nations Second Decade of Action for Road Safety, as you just indicated, with the aim of improving global road safety with a target to reduce road deaths and serious injuries by 50% by 2030. And uh, because South Africa is a signatory to this policy, we just believe as ARTA that not enough has been done to create awareness regarding this very, very, very important topic. And also just to mention that this week is the seventh UN Global Road Safety Awareness Week that was launched by the UN. So ARTA wants to raise awareness with regards to this really important topic and hopefully will generate enough interest and um, just voices around the issue for government to finally take action. So that was basically the motivation as to why we, we started conducting some research and at the end of the day, compiled this advocacy brief as a snapshot as to what the research showed to raise this awareness and to get people talking about it. And um, I just want to add as well, Ilza, that the reason why we are saying that this is such an important topic for all South Africans is because it affects everybody. Whether or not you drive your own vehicle or you make use of public transport, it has a direct impact on each and every citizen. So it is very important for us to explore this, to create awareness and to facilitate conversations regarding this issue and ultimately to find solutions. Your research and the advocacy brief this week, um, I read through it and from what you've compiled, it is increasingly clear that the current state of road safety in South Africa is a catastrophe. As we've said, it has grave implications for the social, economic and health future of our country. And almost no day goes by without reports of yet another bus accident or taxi accident or fatal a crash involving trucks. It is a national crisis. The high number of road deaths is costing our country in terms of money, time, manpower, everything is affected. And you rightly so said that there needs to be immediate action. What can be done? Right, Ilza. So again, um, I think 
before we can talk about solutions, we, we first need to backtrack a bit. We need to understand what the issues are and um, exactly what type of framework is already in place. Now, um, from the outside looking in, we, we really honestly believe that the Minister of Transport and the Ministry of Transport is not doing enough. And the reason why we're saying that is um, Alta has been involved in various different transport-related projects. And although not one of them is coined road safety, all of them have a dramatic impact on road safety. If I can just give a, a couple of examples, for instance, we'll talk about that a little bit later, but when we talk about or when we look at R2, the Adjudication of Road Traffic Offences Act and Alta's position with regards to that, saying that we believe it's unconstitutional, R2 is supposed to, or in government's mind, is supposed to be a method of enforcement in order to increase road safety. Now, um, Alta has its own opinions as to why we don't believe that R2 is the silver bullet to alleviate road safety. But that's one of the key issues when it comes to road safety is enforcement. Then when we look at, for instance, the driver's license card account entity, the DLCA, which is a trading entity of the Department of Transport responsible for the production of your, your driver's license cards and the recent backlogs and the issues with the machine, that again um, contributes to, to people being on the road who are not necessarily compliant. So it's about education and people acknowledging it's important for us to comply with traffic rules and regulations. Again, that is also a specialized area that needs attention. So if we just backtrack just a little bit, just want to take us just a few steps back. Earlier, we referred to that special policy that South Africa is a signatory to with the UN as well. Now, the UN Global Plan for Decade of Action is based on five main pillars. And these five pillars are safer roads and mobility. Two is safer vehicles. Three, safer road users four post-crash responses, and five road safety management. So South Africa has undertaken to comply or to implement those five pillars um, in South African society. But to date, we, we really honestly can't see any, any evidence that these five pillars have been implemented already. So um, I think in a nutshell, it's important to understand that road safety is a big topic, it's a heavy topic, but it, it needs a multi-pronged approach. You need proper policy, you need proper legislation. Um, Alta has always, always, always been uh, a big supporter for proper legislation. We are saying that if legislation is, is enacted properly, if there was public participation, if people know what's going on, then you can enforce it. But when legislation and policy becomes inenforceable, then you're going to have a problem. So that is kind of um, the issues that we, we are picking up. So in order for us to find the solutions, I honestly just believe that we first have to look at the issues. And that is exactly what our research has done, is um, we, we kind of looked at international best practices, we looked at what is going on in South Africa, and we also looked at the statistics regarding the true reflection of road safety in South Africa. What does your research show? Can you give us sort of broad points? We will also publish this document online so that uh, listeners can read a bit more. Yes, so um, our observations are clear from this research that we've conducted, 
And I think um, the, the most important part before I delve into the, the other more technical issues is that South Africa needs to face realities. I mean, our government needs to acknowledge the fact that we have immense challenges within the transport sector. And why is this important? Um, road safety, the big topic, because it trickles down to, to transportation itself. And we as ARTA believe and what we've observed through the research is that transportation is a key catalyst for economic growth, as it actually contributes about 6.5% to South Africa's GDP. And then the high number of road deaths and injuries is a national crisis. If we can't contain it, it will directly impact South Africa's economic growth. Then also it has a major impl implication for sustainable development and the national development plan that government is trying to introduce. Transport is critical for ensuring poverty alleviation, improving access to the markets and employment opportunities. I mean, recently, the latest unemployment statistics were released and for the first quarter of this year, and it's absolutely disheartening and it just raises too much questions. And that's why transport and just regulating transport, trying to curb road fatalities, uh, increase road safety in South Africa is such an important thing. And then also, um, we believe that South Africa is obliged to prioritize the national road safety strategy goals and targets, as was promised by being a signatory to the UN's decade of road safety. And then also what our research has found, Ilza, is that the latest or the new Minister of Transport, Ms. Chikunga, um, she recently also gave some feedback with regards to the statistics in the Easter season or the past Easter season now merely a month ago. And it is very disheartening um, to see that road deaths have increased by almost 50, 40% um, compared to the previous year. So that translates to almost 225 people, South African citizens, losing their lives on our roads during a span of two to three days. And that is just a couple of our observations as to what the issues are, what we've observed, our advocacy brief sets it uh, nicely apart. It gives us to really just a snapshot as to what has happened uh, with regards to the research we conducted. And of course, having uh, unsafe roads, high fatalities, it impacts on things like the already bankrupt road accident fund. Uh, it puts a heavy extra weight on the already overburdened health system. It takes away breadwinners. People are left in wheelchairs and unable to earn an income, which again increases the cycle of poverty. But uh, let's just have a look at the National Development Plan for 2030. You say it outlines several matters that should be monitored and controlled. Just take us through what should government be doing in relation to the NDP 2030. Right, so we believe that there are specific areas or action areas that government needs to improve on. And these key areas are traffic law enforcement and law compliance, operator vehicle and driver fitness, infrastructure management and information systems, and communication and public education and participation. So those are the areas that we believe that government really needs to, to zone into and um, think about how 
practically they can implement things. I mean, if we just look at one specific topic. So again, we look at traffic law enforcement and law compliance. I mean, that has to do, one of the aspects is R2, that government really believes is a silver bullet. In Arthur's opinion, it's not. R2 is not the silver bullet. How you will be able to, to force compliance or to enforce road traffic law, and the only way to do that is to have more visible policing. So to have more police officers on the road, to train more, to employ more police officers, to give them the appropriate training, and therefore you can actually then enforce the law and compliance with road traffic rules. So that's just one aspect as an example that we honestly believe that government needs to define as action areas in order to improve road safety. You've already mentioned that there are people on the roads that maybe do not belong there. So in other words, corruption at driver license test stations plays a definite role and I suspect roadworthiness of vehicles um, plays a big role because there's also corruption there. Do you have specific recommendations around issues like vehicles, uh, the roadworthiness, drivers being tested and issued with valid licenses and not with stuff that they pay a bribe for? You see, Ilza, and that is another really, really big topic that really affects everybody, and that's the concept of corruption. And unfortunately, um, we have seen through the recent years, and even uh, last year, I think the provincial government of Gauteng was tasked to, to conduct uh, investigation into allegations of corruptions within the driver's license testing centers across Gauteng. Um, and what they found was, was astonishing. So um, corruption has had an impact on everyday life in South Africa. I think at the end of the day, majority of South Africans wants to comply. We, we really do want to comply with road traffic regulations and road traffic laws. So for instance, if I know that my driver's license is going to expire soon, I really want to comply with the law and go renew it. But the problem with that is that government makes it difficult for ordinary citizens to comply with regulations because they're not exercising the proper oversight or consequence management. So for instance, if there's corruption identified within specific driver's license testing centers, what has been done to hold those individuals that have been identified accountable? What has been done to manage the consequences of these issues? So again, I think it's multifaceted, but everything has a knock-on knock feeling or we need to approach it on individual issues. Again, we cannot, as I mentioned earlier, we cannot think about solutions or come up with solutions if we don't understand the magnitude of the problems. And it is unfortunate that currently we are sitting in a position that civil society needs to engage with government. We need to, from our space, need to engage with them in order to find solutions because we are saying enough is enough. And we're not actually supposed to be doing that. Government is supposed to be doing it. Government is supposed to be a representative of the people. And they are supposed to have the best interest of South African citizens in mind, but that is not happening. So civil society is now taking up that reign, saying enough is enough and we need to start forcing these issues. So when it comes to corruption, it is a difficult topic, but such an important one because it really affects everybody. If you think that corruption does not affect you where you sit, you are sorely mistaken. It affects 
every single thing that we need to do and we have to decide. Andrea, I suppose your research shows that human behavior plays a big role in what's happening on our roads. But what needs to happen to change human behavior? Do you think it's a, a combination of law enforcement, better law enforcement and education? Or what do you see as the solution? Absolutely. I think, again, I just want to reiterate this because this is our starting point always when we talk about tackling issues. We need to identify what the issues are and then we can come up with solutions. So, for instance, in order to alleviate or to, the solutions we propose in order to help with this human behavior issue is, first of all, you need to educate the public about the importance of adhering to road traffic rules and enforcement. And one of those things I know that a lot of people have the opinion that maybe it should start in school. Maybe the curriculum needs to be adjusted to a certain point that, that you literally learn about road traffic rules and enforcement and behavior, proper road user behavior in school already. And it's not just something that you start learning when you want to go do your driver's license test, but really start from a young age and educate that so it forms the basis of everybody's perspective. And then also the second thing is to engage with just normal people to understand what the issues are. I think from our research also, Ilza, I'd like to mention this, that what was really outstanding and staggering is we found that majority of road deaths, this is literally according to the statistics, is majority of road deaths is pedestrian related. So it's sometimes not just even dr uh, people driving vehicles or making use of public transport, but people walking across the road, not understanding that it's unsafe because they don't understand what the signals show. Or, and again, if you educate public, about the importance of adhering to road traffic rules, they would less likely want to do that. And of course, the second big factor is enforcement. So in order for people to change behavior, they need to understand that there is a negative attached if your behavior is negative. And in, in other words, a that, fine or possible injury or whatever, but it has a consequence. Absolutely, exactly. So we have we need enforcement in order for people to feel it, to see, you know what, I'm not supposed to speed, uh, although I didn't cause a crash, but the potential is there for me to, to get into a fatal accident with someone uh, because I was speeding. So if you, for instance, enforce the law and people start feeling it, then they would be less likely to do it again or to change their behavior. And the only way to enforce these uh, legislation and these, these acts is, again, by visible or increased visibility of policing to address the road safety concerns. So, again, I just want to take us back to the start of our conversation when it comes to road traffic safety, Ilza, is we said at the beginning, this is a big and serious topic, but it, it, it requires a multi-pronged approach, number one. And number two, it is a knock-on effect. So everything is integrated. Everything needs to flow into to a different strategy. It needs to tie together. It needs to tie into what South Africa is a signatory of. It needs to tie in to our national strategy on how we're going to change behavior. So, yes, human behavior is but one aspect that we really, really need to change sooner rather than later. I don't recall seeing this in your research, and it's an off-the-cuff question, but do you think we have enough law enforcement officers in this country or do we need more? Well, Ilza, my personal opinion is we always need more. Um, we don't have enough, but 
I think what the most important question is, is yes, we might have enough bodies, but the question is, are they trained in knowing what to do? I mean, again, we, we spoke about corruption as well. And uh, let's call a spade a spade is a lot of road corruption takes place when a metro or an enforcement officer actually pulls you off from the road. I mean, it's uh, asking to be paid a bribe and people paying bribes is it's a reality in South Africa. It's not necessarily the right thing to do. It isn't the right thing to do. It's contra to law. It's against the law. But that's the reality. So even if we have enough law enforcement officers or enough policing, we need to train these people. And again, if they are then caught or they are found to facilitate corruption, then again, um, consequence management needs to be needs to be applied to them. They need to also be held accountable um, when they not they they don't achieve what they are set out to achieve. Very very true words. Uh, I want to speak to you about the driver's license crisis. Now we've been dealing with COVID, and as a result of that, there was a backlog, and then there was um, lots and lots of problems with the booking system to go and book and get your driver's license. Then there was corruption, and it, it always just seems that there's another problem. Now we've had the driver's license card machine that broke down a few times, and I believe it's broken again at the moment. What What's the latest on that, and what is the effect of that? Ilse, you are really correct in saying that this wonderful machine has broken again. Unfortunately, the reality is that this machine is outdated. Uh, the reality is that um, it's not living up to its standards. And the reality is that nothing else is happening in this space. We know that uh, through our research and the project that we are running with regards to the driver's license card account entity, that they have been putting out tenders for the procurement of a new card production machine almost five times now. So they put out tenders, they put out requests for, for references, and then they withdraw it. And then the latest one was issued in March, again this year, where they put out this tender again, but it's still not awarded, or we don't have any, any feedback with regards to what is happening there. They can't even tell us why the previous tender was withdrawn. So it's, it's shrouded in lack of transparency. And I think that is the big issue. Um, South Africans are, are quite reasonable people, but we don't like being lied to. We don't like being fooled. So at the end of the day, we're just calling for transparency on these issues in order to provide the public with the appropriate responses. Because a lot of people have questions. But yeah, just to sum it up, when it comes to this card production machine, yes, it is broken again. They are attending to fixing it. And in the meantime, they have also published a tender for the procurement of a new card production machine. But I just want to take this opportunity to say something very important because I know we get a lot of queries from people asking about validity of driver's licenses. Are they safe? Do they have to renew? What, what's the position? So I want to just reiterate this position. Alta's position is that if your driver's license card has expired, you have to go renew your driver's license card. If you are trying to make an appointment and you can't get through to make an appointment, keep record of your, your attempts to make an appointment. And then if you have successfully made an appointment, you have paid the fee, but you have not received your new driver's license card, always keep the proof of uh, the payment with you, the proof that you applied, 
and your expired driver's license card with you at all times. Because according to the National Road Traffic Act, if you have those three things in your possession, then your driver's license card is deemed to be valid for a further three months. So I think that is very important for people to understand. So if you are then given a ticket or you are stopped at a roadblock, you can just give them those three or show them those three documents, proof of appointment, proof of payment, and then your expired driver's license card with you, then they can't give you a ticket because your your license, driver's license card is then deemed to be still valid for a further three months. I noticed you, you said nothing about a temporary li- uh, driver's license. So that's not needed if you have all these other things in place. Let's take an example. So for instance, I know my driver's license card is going to expire end of May. So I do an appointment, I do everything now. So it's, there's no need for me to apply for a temporary license because I still have a valid driver's license card. But if I know that my driver's license card has expired at the beginning of May and I still haven't made a booking, then I would suggest that you maybe apply for a temporary license as well, keeping in mind that this driver's license card machine has broken down again. So you don't know when you will be able to get your new driver's license card. So then I think then I would say that would be appropriate for you to apply for a temporary license. But if you apply in advance before it has expired, then I don't feel it's necessary for you to apply for a driver's license, a temporary one. Okay, great. Now let's talk about Alta's very hard work for the last two or three years to get the Department of Transport to extend the validity of driver's license cards. What have you done? I know that there's been a meeting with Minister Mbalula in this regard. Atta has undertaken some research uh, of international best practice. You've handed over the research to former Minister of Transport, uh, Fakile Mbalula. But we haven't heard anything back. What is the latest and, and do you have any news on this? Thank you, Ilza. Yes, uh, it is frustrating because unfortunately I cannot share any positive news on that front or not necessarily positive news that was directly communicated to Arta. So you are correct in saying that we did meet with the minister. We provided him with a position paper on why Arta believes it's good for government to extend the validity to 10 years instead of five years. And then the minister said he'll come back to us, but he needs to mandate the RTMC which is uh, the Road Traffic Management Corporation, to conduct their own research and um, provide the Department of Transport with suggestions or just to corroborate the type of research that we've done. So we still have not received that research as well, but it was communicated, I think, if I'm not mistaken, last year, November, by the Minister of Transport, then Minister of Transport, that government is looking into the extension of the validity to eight years. Nothing more on that. Unfortunately, nothing more than that. Arta has asked, we've written to the newly appointed Minister of Transport, Minister Chukunga, to engage with Arta on various issues where this is one of those issues that we really just require some feedback. But no, other than that, we have not received any feedback. They haven't even communicated this HS strategy with us directly. We had to hear from it in the media. And that's why we are now trying to, to arrange an engagement with the newly appointed Minister of Transport to get some clarity on this issue and other issues as well. 
Okay, just to end off this conversation, I need to speak to you about Otto. Now, Otto, you've touched on it earlier. It was declared unconstitutional and invalid in January last year by the Pretoria High Court. I know that Otto has been back to court since then and that we are awaiting uh, the final verdict on Otto. But please just give us an overview of the work Otto has done in this regard and also, by when can we expect the courts to have a final say on this? Thank you, Ilza. Yes, as you rightfully mentioned, Arta went to court, to the Pretoria High Court, and the court um, actually agreed with Arta that this R2 Act and the subsequent Amendment Act is unconstitutional and invalid. And because the High Court, which is not the apex court of South Africa, and they can't give the final say when it comes to constitutionality of legislation, we had to take this matter to the Constitutional Court for confirmation of this court order. So we were in court last year, November. Uh, of course, the Department of Transport, uh, through the minister and the RTMC, opposed this confirmation application. And they also tried to appeal the High Court matter. So we were heard in November last year, and we are unfortunately still awaiting um, the judgment from the Constitutional Court. So your guess, unfortunately, is as good as mine as to when we might receive finality with regards to R2. But in the meantime, um, Art has been made aware that, that the RTIA, which is the entity, the Road Traffic Infringement Agency, which is tasked to implement R2, have again pick, picked up the reins and are now trying to roll out R2 nationwide regardless or, or notwithstanding the fact that we're still awaiting judgment from the Constitutional Court, which, which in our opinion is a colossal waste of money, because again, Arta believes this is unconstitutional and invalid, and we, we are really positive in hoping that the Constitutional Court will also agree with Arta and declare that both these acts are invalid and unconstitutional. Andrea, just to summarize, there are people saying that Arta is standing in the way of safer roads by fighting Arta. Why do you say it's not the silver bullet for road safety in a sentence or two? Thank you, Ilza. That's a very important question and thank you for asking it. Um, I think the crux of the matter when it comes to Arta and why Arta is opposing it is because we are saying that national government, what they're trying to do by implementing Arta nationwide, is they are usurping the legislative and the executive competence of municipalities and provinces to actually do law enforcement. So they want to take this responsibility from province and municipalities, take it from them and apply it on a national level, which we are saying that is unconstitutional because according to the constitution, National government cannot interfere in municipalities and provinces and the way they regulate. So, I mean, yes, there's a cost implication also involved with that. But municipalities and provinces are more suited to enforce compliance on their own managed roads than national government would. Um, they are then responsible for training law enforcement. They are responsible for, for increasing police visibility, uh, for employing or deploying certain things in their specific areas. And provinces and municipalities know where these specific roads are that are hazardous. They have the know-how. So to say that by outer 
fighting against R2, we are actually prohibiting safer roads, it's completely false. Because the thing is, we're just saying that province and municipalities are supposed to be responsible for road safety in their specific areas. And R2 does not do that. If you read through the R2 Act, it creates um, a single system of administrative law that is so complex that the normal person do not understand that. And then, of course, a very important point is it takes enforcement out of the realm of criminal enforcement and into the realm of administrative enforcement, which creates a system. And unfortunately, we, we have seen in the past that when it comes to administrative systems, um, our national government is not the greatest in administering them, um, aka just looking at the ETOL system, which in any event was also an administrative system which did not work. So those are, just in a nutshell, the issues ARTA has with ARTA. Again, it asserts uh, municipalities and provinces' legislative and executive competence and tries to, to place it over to national to enforce. And the second thing, it creates uncertainty as to how these things will be enforced because it takes it away from the criminal justice system and places it in an administrative law system, uh, which is a big issue in South Africa because it can't be enforced. Okay, and uh, I would like to remind listeners that they can go and read up uh, on Arta and Arta's stance on Arta on Arta's website. And we should also point out that Arta has been in use for, I think, a decade in Swanee. Yes. And yes. it hasn't worked. As a matter of fact, more people died on the roads mm. during that 10 years than in the 10 years before. And there are also the possibilities of more corruption because when you get stopped um, X amount of times, you can lose your license. And the easy way to stop that is by bribing the police officer. So there's a lot of reasons why Arta is against Arta as a system to make the road safer. But if you want to read more about this, please go to the Arta page on Arta's website. Andrea van Eden, thank you very much for your time and your valuable insight and for all the hard work on transport matters. Thank you so much, Ilza. I'm Ilza Salzfiddle. This was an Outer podcast proudly brought to you by Outer. If you like Outer's work, please go to the website, outer.co.za. And also remember that we are crowdfunded if you would like to make a donation to a better South Africa. Mm-hmm.